what pulls those kind of deep emotions out of you? Is it perhaps when you have a deep need for wisdom? When you know that you've made a foolish decision in the past that you still suffer from? Or you really need wisdom to make an important decision about the future. You just don't know what to do and it means a lot. Or maybe in a relationship with someone you've really been an idiot. Someone you dearly love. Or maybe you just need wisdom about who you are. Who am I? And why do I do what I do? Does that ring this kind of deep emotion from you? Or maybe it's because you, you have this longing for justice. Perhaps there's this deep wound in your heart because of an injustice that you suffered in the past. Or maybe even today you're being unjustly treated at home or at work or somewhere else. Perhaps you're deeply impacted as I was today when I saw the video of the shooting of the black man in Grand Rapids, Michigan that happened last week. Execution style right on the front lawn. Or perhaps it's the injustice in Ukraine or Yemen or Ethiopia or Iraq or Afghanistan. Or maybe these deep emotions come out when, when you really want to know what the, your purpose in life is. Why am I here? What am I supposed to be doing? Why should I get up in the morning? Or maybe, why should I go to bed at night when it's easier to avoid things? by frittering time away on my screens? Does your life seem meaningless in the light of great loss of whatever kind? Or perhaps you're caught in your history where your family came from, what or who they are, what they pass down to you, the things that you were given as a child that you wish you didn't have but you can't get away from it and they bother you. Do those things draw a deep emotion from you? Or maybe you're struggling with some aspect of your character that you've been working on your whole life and just can't get anywhere with it. It just doesn't seem to change. Or perhaps you're stuck in an addiction. Or maybe it's a disease a physical or mental or soul weakness that you just aren't able to shake. It just doesn't seem like it's going to get better and in the middle of the night you weep. Or maybe you're struggling with the direction you think our society is going and you think it's going down the tubes and you're not able to do anything about it. And it's like a chain around you. Carry it with you all the time.
Vanji and Dwight Jaggard are members of our congregation for a long time. And I don't know how many of you know this, but Dwight's father was the Reverend Dr. Cedric Jaggart. He lived from 1915 to 2018. I don't know, depending on when his birthday was, 100 or 203 years. And the last years of his life, I understand that he was blind and had hearing problems. He wrote a book. And the book is called Claiming a Larger Gospel. It was just put out, I think, a few months ago. You can actually find it on Amazon if you're interested. And he writes in the preface, At a theological gathering I attended, someone asked the question, What in a word is the gospel? And more than one participant responded, Jesus died for our sins. I believe the beloved people at that gathering would not deny the reality of Jesus' joyous resurrection, so their their answers may be wonder. Should not any succinct statement of the gospel reflect the core meaning of the word gospel, which is good news? Should not any summary of the gospel include both sides of teachings that the Apostle Paul identified as of first importance, namely, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day in, in accordance with the scriptures. And I wanted to project that verse to you on the screen. For I delivered to you, said Paul, as of first importance, what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. And this verse is going to be our jumping off place for tonight and for Sunday morning. In the first chapter of, of, of this first letter to the Corinthians, Paul talks about the crucifixion. In chapter 15, which we'll talk about on Sunday, he talks about the resurrection. And one of Paul's themes in this first, we're not going, yeah, thank you. One of, one of Paul's themes in, in this first chapter of Corinthians is that God chose, he said, what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. And then a little bit later, and because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, the crucified Christ Jesus, who became to us, and listen to this, wisdom from God, righteousness or justice, sanctification, which is being set apart to a special, uh, for a special purpose, and redemption, which means being bought with a price, being liberated. Because of the death of Jesus, we are wisdom, righteousness, justice, sanctification, purpose, and redemption, freedom, liberation. And if Mr. Jagger were here, Dr. Jagger were here, he would be very happy that I'm now going to quote Karl Barth because he was actually a student of Karl Barth. He actually studied under Karl Barth in Germany. Man's reconciliation with God takes place 
through God putting himself in man's place and man's being put in God's place as a sheer act of grace. It is this inconceivable miracle which is our reconciliation. Man's reconciliation with God takes place through God putting himself in man's place and man being put in God's place as a sheer act of grace. It is this inconceivable miracle which is our reconciliation. In some mysterious way, a way that I simply have no words to describe to you, when Jesus hung on that cross, he took upon our, himself, you can move on to the next slide, thanks. He took upon himself your foolishness. The stupid, idiotic things that you've done, that we've done. He took upon himself all the ways in which we have abused and used other people as individuals and as a culture. He took upon himself all the ways in which we have refused to live in accordance with the goal for which he created us. Instead of loving one another, instead of caring for our earth and our world, we've abused and exploited and derailed from the purpose that God gave to us. And he took upon himself the chains that we all wear, of whatever kind they are, chains of guilt, the chains of addiction. The literal chains, if you really have been chained up by somebody, even psychologically or emotionally. Whatever tonight would make you sing that song, were you there, and have a tear stream down your eye, down your cheek. Whatever that might be. Jesus took it upon himself on that cross. And he becomes our wisdom, our justice, our purpose, and our liberation. And again, I cannot describe to you what that's like. I, I can't lay it out for you in such a way that you'll get it. It's just impossible to put into words. But I can tell you, and I've said this before from this place, certainly over the last couple of years, it is this that has kept me going in spite of all its mystery. If Jesus hadn't t hasn't taken upon himself all the mess of this world, and if he isn't working to replace it with his own self, then we are the most hopeless of all creatures. The theologian Colin Gooden put it this way, The Son of Man has given himself 
to be where we were so that we might be where he is. And where is he? A participant in the life of God. Don't you long to participate in the life of God? That's what the crucifixion is all about. Taking our death upon himself and giving us in return the life of God. Amen.